Sometimes at three in the morning when I'm thinking about basketball instead of sleeping because I'm a sociopath. I mean, Twitter's always a cesspool of humanity. I just, I don't like, I don't understand hair coloring in general, to be honest. Well, hey. <laughs> I know, I know. I know. <laughs> Championship week. This is the prequel to the Cinderella story, which is what Maleficent. Oh wait, no, that's a total. That's another. That's another universe. Asleep. I should just record everything I say. Welcome to. I've heard it both ways. It's a meditation ain't working. So I'm about to lose it. I'm caught up in my cranium. It's got me feeling quite clueless. Quick thought before we begin. Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. It's just a movie that happens to take place around Christmas. Just like the NBA and the whole Russell Westbrook shenanigans are ruining our version of Christmas. Which is March Madness. Or pre-March Madness. So the thing with this whole Westbrook ordeal in Utah... I'm not taking anybody's side because what's done is done and I'm, you know, there's there's no reason... We have nothing to add in that regard. Yeah. My takeaway from all this is if you're a Jazz fan... Don't talk to Westbrook. <laughs> don't say, hey, Russ. Don't say, you, Russ. Don't say... Anything. Russ, do you like pizza? I mean, everyone likes pizza, <laughs> so you don't need to ask that. But just don't say anything to him. Just let him be. It's okay. Yeah, Russ does seem like he's he's not afraid to call anyone out in the stands that shows with his history. Oh, yeah. So, I'm sure he gets yelled at all the time. Oh, he, I, yeah, he's a very, very he just, polarizing figure in today's and then, NBA. Yeah, with the extent of the Jazz Thunder background, I think that just kind of escalated the whole thing. Yeah, it was just uh, it was an ugly scene for everyone. Twitter was, I mean, Twitter's always a cesspool of humanity, but last night it was an especially infectious, disgusting, disturbing cesspool of humanity. There's a lar- like, large portion of the population right now that either doesn't use Twitter or only lightly uses Twitter, right? But that's mostly people that are older. I think, you know, our generation down, everyone uses Twitter, even people you know, the next generation above us probably. But in, in like 30 or 40 years, everyone that doesn't use Twitter is going to be dead. So everybody <laughs> is going to be, and I'm just talking about in the United States because I don't care about anywhere else. I don't even know if there's a world outside of the United States, frankly. <laughs> I've been to Mexico. Anyways, um, in 30 or 40 years, everyone's going to be using Twitter. And because Twitter's the stupidest place, well, the stupidest like thing on earth, and I use Twitter a lot too, so I'm, I'm guilty in facilitating this process. But... It's just this echo chamber for stupid ideas to resonate and gain strength. So we're all doomed because Twitter is going to cause that downfall. I used to be afraid for when, you know, the end of the world, raining fire and brimstone and everyone, whatever, nuclear holocaust, you know, religious or not, whatever you believe in, the world is going to come to an end. <laughs> I used to be afraid of that, but now I'm just looking forward to just like sitting on my roof and watching humanity burn. <laughs> I've like, I've lost all faith in humanity. It's just like everyone, we're all terrible. We all just need to die. That's why everyone needs to listen to our podcast as a healing thing. Yeah, exactly. We're here to unite people, except the people who are fans of teams we hate. Yeah. We want to alienate you. Actually, that's funny. We can talk about the Celtics. <laughs> they had like a six-hour plane ride. <clears throat> oh, speaking of which, Kendall's having uh, his, his flu game podcast, so I'll be Scotty Pippen carrying him to the sidelines after <laughs> yeah, this is over. Don't expect anything great out of me, though. Um, that's right. I think I can carry the team this week. <laughs> Uh, the Clippers had like, or the Celtics had like a six-hour plane ride, and they they talked it over, and then Kyrie issued that apology, like I've been haven't been saying the right things, and it was like, oh, the Celtics have turned a corner, and then they got blown out <laughs> by the, the Clippers. I think the I think the Clippers. Well, actually, we'll get to the Clippers in a second. Are the Celtics even capable of turning the corner at this point? I don't know because I've always had a huge belief in Brad Stevens. 
no, I think he's the best coach in the NBA, or at least he was in the conversation of it. Uh huh. He's one of the few coaches who's like a major asset. Yeah, but this has kind of been the recent trend is he's never had to deal with superstars. He was never that big power conference. He brought little old Butler to relevance. He, he always had to do more with less. Yeah. Now he has to do more with more. Uh-huh. <laughs> it, it's like that phrase. I hate this phrase. The phrase less is more. It's not true. <laughs> when is less more? Um, but in this case, I guess it's true with Brad Stevens. So props to you, Brad. Yeah, so I think you'll find out by, like, game two of whatever series, whoever they play in the... You mean, like, after game two or... Eastern Conference. Yeah, in, during game two. Oh, during game two. Okay, I like yeah, that. Yeah, because game one's kind of whoever has the emotional edge, and then game two is the real team wins. So speaking of the playoffs, I, I heard an interesting take the other day. Uh, someone was saying that you don't, like... He basically said, I don't want home court advantage in a playoff series. And I was like, wait, what? And he goes, listen, having game seven on your home floor is awesome. But he goes, it's really hard to win those first two games at home because you're kind of feeling each other out or whatever. And I was like, I don't know if I agree with that, but it's an interesting thought because how often do you see teams like split the first two games of a series and then one team just goes on and dominates the rest of the series? Yeah, I think it puts a lot more pressure on that initial first game, you know? But I suppose if it's like a 4-5 or like a 6-3 matchup. Yeah, it's kind of... Although, I mean, because the, the Jazz split games 1 and 2 in OKC last year, and then they ended up winning since the series, so... We'll forever ponder it. It's, it's an, Yeah, it's a, it's a take with no right answer, <laughs> except the answer that I said. But yeah, you, Just were, kidding. you were talking about the Clippers who are in the playoffs. Everyone's like, shock. I mean, they're safely in at this point. The West is pretty much set. The seeding's kind of... Which is not what we expected. I figured it would kind of be a dogfight down like the last day of the regular season. Yeah, well, especially at the trade deadline where the Clippers were like, sell, sell, sell. Mm -hmm. And they just kind of stuck it together. Um, I mean, it's crazy to think the Clippers have traded their best player at at or before the trade deadline each of the last two seasons. Yeah. Tobias Harris this year. Well, Boban was their best player. But <laughs> um, and then Blake Griffin last year. Last year, they obviously didn't make the playoffs, but this year, they're going to. Yeah, and I'm trying to... If I was Clippers management, are you happy that you make the playoffs? You've got these young guys' experience? Or does it hurt losing that lottery pick? Um, I think it's better for you to make the playoffs, honestly, which is not how I felt a couple weeks ago, but I've had some time to stew on it. Because if you think about it, like, they're going to end up with... What are the lottery picks? 1 through 15? Or 1 through 14? 14, 14, yeah. They're probably going to end up with, like, the 15th or 16th pick anyways. And they probably would have ended up with, like, somewhere 12 or 14. So really, you're only, you know, you're only losing three spots in the draft or whatever. That was kind of what I was... You're basically trading those three spots in the draft for good playoff experience. Mm -hmm. And I think people overlook this. I think people overrate chemistry in a team... AKA people who didn't want the Jazz to trade Ricky Rubio. <laughs> and then they underrate just kind of like building that winning culture. If Clippers can kind of build that winning culture and then develop those players, add a superstar in free agency at some point or in the draft, whichever, then you really got something brewing. Do you think, I think Doc Rivers is right now the front runner to win the coach of the year. Do you buy into that? Um, I'll say, I really don't. Like I, I, I was going to say, I'm trying to think of how I can argue against this because I, I don't want to accept it. Yeah, because I feel like. <laughs> Like, they match up well. Um, let me rephrase it. Their personnel makes them a tough Their matchup personnel, because they just play hard. Yeah, it's very give and take. Like they, They're just scrappy. Like, scrappy. they got a bunch of guys with chips on their shoulders. Uh-huh. I don't know if it's necessarily, like, a lot of what Doc's doing. 
Yeah. Granted, I haven't watched a ton of the Clippers, but when I do watch them, I'm like, they're not great. They just play really hard, and they seem to care more than the other team most of the time. Yeah, and honestly, in the NBA, that's, you know, gr- the season grind. Grind, I put in air quotes. Um, <laughs> it's whoever wants it more for the most part. Like, the Warriors really don't play in, until, like, the last five minutes of the fourth quarter. They just kind of keep it close, or they'll try to blow you out in the first five minutes. So that's and then the, the case of there are games where they just don't care start to finish. Yep. <laughs> I would honestly, I think, give Coach of the Year to uh, Budenholzer in Milwaukee. Because, I mean, you took that team. Obviously, everyone knew they were a team on the rise, but they went from, like, oh, these guys should be, like, contenders for a top seed in the East to, oh, these guys are probably going to be the number one seed in the East. Yeah, and I would, counterpoint, I would give it to Mike Malone. Just because... I didn't think of him. I, I, I'm i not going to lie. I forget about Denver all the time. <laughs> I mean, I don't think nu- the Nuggets are built for like a playoff run, but what they've been able to sustain the regular season is quite impressive in my you mind. You know what? I actually really hope Mike Malone wins it because then we could have a repeat of when George Carl won Coach of the Year, <laughs> lost in the first round, and got fired. Which is just crazy. That's well, plus, didn't, didn't Dwayne Casey win Coach of the Year last year and yeah. then get fired? So, really, you don't want to win Coach of the Year. You don't want to win Coach of the Year. Too many expectations. <laughs> Although, in, in fairness, I didn't mind Dwayne Casey getting fired at all. Why? Just because you look at what the Raptors have done just over and over again, getting blown out of the playoffs at some point. It's like, you got to change something. They kind of made Casey the fall guy, which I don't know if that's fair or not, but I like that they were at least trying to stir the pot a little bit. Yeah, I'm fine with kind of what you said, that aspect of it. But on the other side, it's they hired his assistant coach. So, uh, like, well, I will say this. I culture? will say this. Casey wasn't the problem, which now I'm sounding like an idiot, but that's okay. That's that's part of the course. Um, the problem was having DeRozan and Lowry together. I think okay. I don't think that's uh, that's up for debate. So, but then they made both of the moves. So, okay. The hiring, the firing Casey was the uh, let's get a scapegoat so that we can ship off DeRozan without as much. Of a fan uprising. <laughs> I mean, obviously, that was still, like, you know, fans were a little bit unhappy about that, but only because, you know, DeRozan had been there forever, not because they were really thinking, oh, DeRozan can still be our guy. Well, yeah, and it, I think if they handled it right and told DeRozan, yeah, we're looking into trades. Like, they told him, you're our guy, blah, 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 and then uh, they traded true. him. So yeah. I feel like that's where the uprising came from, but to to your point, that's good. It did take heat off moving DeRozan if they handled it correctly. That's fair. I forgot about that. And I don't want to trash on DeRozan because I think he's one of the few NBA players that I think I would genuinely like if I knew him better. <laughs> but I do want to trash on his game because he is he is, he's the only person I've seen do this consistently. They do what I call a mid-range layup. So it's you know it's too far away to just do like a regular layup off the glass or a close finger roll, but it's still too far away to do a floater. So you just kind of get stuck in no man's land. And I hate to trash on anyone who shoots mid-range jump shots because I love the mid-range jump shot, but the mid-range layup is not a good thing. Yeah, especially after DeJounte Murray got hurt on the Spurs, I took him out of my preseason playoffs just because they have DeRozan who does that, and they also have DeRozan's, it's the DeRozan 1.0, Rudy Gay, (laughs) who does that a lot too. That's a tough offense to watch. Like yeah. They still have kind of the Spurs ball movement ethos, but then you add in all these bad shots that these guys are taking, and it's like it's two, it's like two very conflicting ideas. The power of Bryn Forbes, I love that man. <laughs> I mean, I know the Spurs. I I think statistically the Spurs actually still like were one of the league leaders in mid range jump shots, but like even before this season. Yeah, so maybe they were just trying to double double, double down on that. <laughs> maybe they're going the NFL route. Well, so. 
I'm a huge fan of the move. If it was a happy accident, then I'm not. But if it was planned, I love it. Yeah, look, do want to change gears to the NFL here, where free agency's kind of gone chaotic? Gone insane, yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think who are the real winners to start off with. Do you uh, have the Raiders, I think, are winners because I realize his uh, Antonio Brown's... I mean, I saw side-by-side stats with, with AB's stats and the whole Raiders receiving core, and Brown was trashing them in literally every metric. Yeah, and it gives Derek Carr, who I still think is a starting quarterback in the league, uh, actual threat. And now they can go with all their draft picks. They've been able to keep their first-rounders and build around oh, them. Oh, they got a war chest of draft picks. Yeah, so... Kind of like, like the Celtics of the NBA, just in the fact that they own, like, 40% of the draft capital. Yeah, so they... I mean, Gruden's taking his fair share of blame, but he has a chance to resurrect it. He, well, he has a chance to come out looking really smart in the yeah. end, depending... I mean, he's got to still keep it up, keep up, keep up the mojo and make some good moves, but... I don't know. He's, I hope he's turning a corner. <laughs> I just, I don't like, I don't understand hair coloring in general, to be honest. Well, hey. <laughs> I know, I know. Someone who's <laughs> had hair coloring fourth grade to I, senior year. I didn't say school. I didn't like it. I just say, like, personally, I've never seen the draw. That's, I, I've misspoke. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm just going to take out the knife you stabbed in my back and move on to another team that's kind of making a lot of. Interesting moves, is what I'll call it. A lot of clashing personalities. The Cleveland Browns just trade for OBJ. They brought in Kareem Hunt. Who else? I think they signed Sheldon Richardson on the D-line, stole him from Minnesota. So there's a lot of... Cleveland is assembling, like, actual talent. I could honestly just, just, like, a raw look at the rosters and what, you know, what each team did last year. I could see the Browns winning the division next year. Yeah, I mean, the Ravens have pretty much lost their entire defense. Couldn't believe I, it's going to be really s- the only team that would have a chance, but they still. But they're the Dalton. When they're the freaking Bengals, <laughs> eight and eight is just you can just pencil them in for somewhere between like nine and seven and six and ten or worse, I guess. Um, it's going to be weird to see Terrell Suggs line up in a not Ravens jersey, though. Yeah, that's going to be weird. But like the Steelers, obviously, like we said, they lost Brown and. They have Juju Smith-Schuster, of whom I'm a big fan, um, but I think he's gonna, you know, he's gonna be drawing those tough matchups now, or the toughest corner, I should say. So he's gonna see, you know, life's gonna be a little bit harder for him. Big yeah. Ben just keeps getting older and less good. <laughs> yeah, Juju. I mean, he was a great number two, and like you said, Brown kind of freed him up a lot. So we'll kind of see what kind of player he actually is, and it's probably getting close to a. Con- actually, did he just sign a contract last year? I don't remember. It doesn't matter. But we'll see if he's the talent they expect him to be. I think that's a relief for the Steelers is that they had Juju there. Mm-hmm. And so they still have a, a clear number one to step into Antonio's shoes. True. Although I'll, Juju's fumble after talking about making it happen in fantasy was one of the funniest things that happened <laughs> in the NFL this year to me. I do want to go back to the Odell Beckham trade. Because I just can't understand like why the Giants did it, honestly. like What would their reasoning be? Well, I think last year was kind of their year to realize that they were past their prime. They have a bunch of old players. I mean, they signed tackle Nate Soldier. Soldier. Um, let go of Landon Collins. I mean, but before that, they had Evan Ingram, OBJ, Eli Manning, Soldier protecting the blind side, Landon Collins in the deep 
a couple defense, Pierre Paul and such. So I think they just realized that it's, time's running out and now they got to rebuild. I get that, but like, I think if I was playing quarterback and I had Saquon Barkley as my running back and Beckham as my receiver and then Ingram and Shepard as well, like, I think I could put up similar numbers to what Eli put up last year, honestly. Very true. I mean, and I think they finished like the last six weeks in the top 10 on offense. Yeah, they have so many weapons. It's just, it, you can just tell, anybody could just tell, oh, the Giants just need a quarterback. So draft Haskins, let him develop with freaking OBJ over there, and then just let it go. <laughs> or I think, that, I think they like way, they way outthought themselves. Maybe, because, or they're... Thinking. I mean, I'm enjoying it. I hate the Giants. <laughs> like, fly, Eagles, fly. This is good, but it just, like, it doesn't make any sense to me. Also, most Giants fans are Yankees fans, so y'all can suck it. <laughs> Staying in New York, the Mets fans of the... I don't know if Jets fans are Mets fans. I hope I hope Mets, Jets, and Nets fans are all Together. unified because that symmetry is beautiful. That's what I... It's like the hard, the worst positions to be in right now in the NFL are safety and running back because mm-hmm. we're realizing like, oh, these guys aren't as important as they used to be. We don't need as many as we used to and we don't have to pay them as much. Yeah, there isn't that big of a gap between those guys and the prospects coming up. And then, like, the, on, the, on the other hand, you have, like, I feel like slot corner is shooting up in value. So, like, depth-wise, that's great, but I've seen the Cowboys go for depth, and that doesn't work. Yeah. It like, doesn't help till you have I would it. rather have one number one wide receiver, one number two wide receiver, and two number three wide receivers <laughs> yeah. than six number three wide receivers. Uh-huh. It's like, duh, that's obvious, but I don't know if the Bills understand that. But, I mean, they probably do, because they tried to trade for Antonio Brown. Yeah. Which would have been pretty funny, honestly. <laughs> Like, Pittsburgh's like, oh, you don't like it here? Okay, we're going to ship you off to Buffalo. And I honestly don't think Buffalo would be a good fit for Antonio Brown. I don't think he could succeed there. Just because it's going to be cold starting November, <laughs> middle of October. And you're, Josh Allen has a cannon of an arm. He just doesn't know how to use it. That's not their style of play. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they're... Although he had um, some mesmerizing scrambles last year. Like, Josh Allen's scrambling was my f- favorite play like oh, yeah. my favorite happening in the NFL last year. Oh yeah, he he actually shocked me because I, you can look on our website. I wasn't too high on Josh Allen. Unjustifiably so. Like he didn't blow anybody away with his passing. It was just fun to watch him run. Cause, yeah, like, he was just so he's just so big. His and so, giant strides. Do you think any of those teams have a chance to contend with the Patriots? Any of which teams? Um, uh, of the NFC East, AFC East teams that we kind of talked about. Um, I mean, aren't the Dolphins? Basically running it back. Yeah, Dolphins running back. I think Brian Tannehill's free agent, so be interesting to see. So do they? Is. So they say they haven't resigned him, but they haven't picked up anybody, right? Yeah, they should have gotten Nick Foles. We'll see. I don't know if I would want Nick Foles if I'm the Dolphins because he's a, he's not, he's an older quarterback, and they're not ready to win now. Ah, fair enough. So I put, I mean, put Nick Foles on. Where was he before the Eagles? Pre-Chip Kelly? Did he start before Chip Kelly or no? Uh, he started with Chip Kelly because okay. that was the year he had 27 touchdowns. Or like, yeah, 27 and 2. 27 touchdowns, 2 interceptions. Okay. So, I mean, he's been around the block for a while. I'm going to kind of steer it because I realize my point's moot. <laughs> but, yeah, I think Jacksonville was really the only trade market for Nick Foles. Like, that's where he's going to end up. Yeah, well, he they signed him. Yeah. Um, good for him, by the way. Love you, Nick. <laughs> Always and forever. But anyways, the yeah the Dolphins are basically the same. Um, the Jets, I don't feel like they'll probably be better than last year, but they won't be that good. And the Bills can't see them being a whole lot better, so it'll probably be same old, same old in that division. Yeah, I mean, I still think it, there's a clear pecking order. 
It is the second second greatest week of college basketball championship week. All the little guys get their chance to be Cinderella stories. Before this, this is the prequel to the Cinderella story. It's the best way to put it. Which is what Maleficent? Oh wait, no, that's a total. That's another. <laughs> that's another <laughs> that's universe. Sleeping Beauty. Eh, whatever. They're all the same. They all suck. <laughs> By the way, like I don't know, I don't understand why anybody is excited for the live action remake of Lion King. Like I just I can't possibly fathom other than just pure nostalgia why you would be excited for that. I think that's totally it looks like for a shot for shot remake at this stage. Which like you already know everything that's going to happen and it's probably it's like I just don't get it. I got CGI animals. I love anything to do with Donald Glover. Although I didn't get Atlanta, but that's beside the point. Um I don't know. I just I don't like Disney, is what I'm trying to get at. Well, Disney is an evil conglomerate that runs the world. Well, Disney owns... Apple oh, or... here we go, here we go. This is why I'm mad. So Disney owns ESPN, right? Yeah. <clears throat> and ESPN has done us the great disservice of putting a lot of these small conference games on freaking ESPN+. Plus. That's the travesty, because for those of us who use Reddit to watch all these games... Not very many people have ESPN Plus, and for order, and in order for someone to be able to stream these games on Reddit, they would have to have ESPN Plus. So it makes these games even harder to find than they already would have been. Yeah, I miss the days when ESPN News would show the Horizon Four and Five seed tipping off against was, each other. It was the greatest. Like you could watch these random teams that you might not have heard of. I mean, we know every college basketball team, but <laughs> we're weird. Um, at you know ten thirty in the morning when you're sitting in econ class. Yeah, we will miss Fletcher going off for Wofford against East Tennessee State if we didn't find our way to their channel. Ridiculous. <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that. I might have finished. <coughs> That's why you do ESPN. We can just circle back. Yeah. Um, well, we were just talking about the small conference tournaments. Yeah, just... Is there anyone that has already punched their ticket that you're looking forward to seeing in the dance? Um... Yes. <laughs> uh, we'll, all of them. we'll talk about this uh, next week, I think, in more detail. But we just want to go on record now as saying Wolford is our official team that we really want to see do well, right? Yes. One of. We can have yeah. several. Wolford's definitely up there because they have uh, McGee. What's his first name? Fletcher. Fletcher McGee. You just said it. Duh. Um, who shoots like Kyle Korver, but even better. <laughs> he, there is no shot he will not take, and there is no shot he will not make. So we're a big fan. And then they have Mac McClung Jr., even though Mac McClung is actually younger than... Uh, his last name is Murphy. Why can't I remember oh, any of these gosh. guys' first names? Uh, Storm Murphy. Storm Murphy, yeah. That's why I should be able to remember that. And then they well, have Jack Salt. They have Jack, mid-major Jack Salt. Uh, Jack Salt is one of those Virginia big men who just rebounds and sets screens and loves doing so. They just have the carbon copy of him. Although there's like thousands of Jack Salts in college basketball, which is part of the reason we love it. Um, but Wolford runs a lot of fun sets. They're like they're honestly good. Like I think they'll yeah. get like a five or a six seed, and they could go like probably elite eight or something. Yeah, that's kind of the thing is they don't have that Cinderella tag on. They'll probably be a six seed. Well, people people will refer to them as a Cinderella just because they're called Wolford and they're not you know yeah, very particularly well known. But they don't have like a typical Cinderella story <laughs> from the season. Yeah, it's crazy. My um, bracketology has Wofford versus Syracuse, and you would think those. Rolls will be switched, uh-huh. but Syracuse is actually the 11th seed in it. Unfortunately, Wolford wins that game regardless of their seed. <laughs> <laughs> Coming from a Syracuse fan. Um, also, another team that's already in, I'm ecstatic to see, is Murray State. Um, I think I love John Morant more than I love Marcus Howard at this point. Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. blasphemy. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I mean, one of them can dunk, and the other is Marcus Howard. <laughs> Just kidding, that doesn't matter. I still like Marcus Howard more, but John Morant has grown on me big time as I watch this tournament. I was watching John Morant stuff, and this just came to me. He reminds me of uh, James Harden without the beard. Because he gets to the lane and draws fouls, and he, that's where he makes most of his points, is at the free throw line. John Morant's actually a pretty good passer. I yes, think he, he had two, two assists in the championship game, but that was his season low. And before that, he's averaging, he's averaging four or five. He's going to be the first player in college basketball history to average 20 and 10. 20, oh, is he really? Well, 20, well yeah, because he's, he's going to finish like 24 points and 10.3 assists or something. And I don't hate... I think James Harden's game is a lot more... Would be more appreciated if he wasn't James Harden. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, John kind of that if, if, it, of if you just saw a black silhouette doing James Harden moves, you'd be like, wow, this guy's awesome. But then when you see it's James Harden and you think of all the ref baiting and step backs and stuff, then it makes you hate him. But his yeah. game in and of itself is beautiful. I, yeah, I agree with that. So we're still both very high on John Morant. I don't know if Murray State can make a run just because they don't really seem to have anyone else, but, I mean, we've seen guards go on UConn runs, so. I mean, that's what you want, is I, if that was my team to build, I would start with a great point guard to make a run in the NCAA tournament. And with great point guards, Marcus Howard is actually doing us a service, and we've told him they need to go through a little slump before the NCAA tournament, and they've just done that. So Here's the now thing. Here's the pendulum's going to be swinging back. Counter. I think they slid a little bit too much, and they've lost some confidence. They have time to regain it, obviously, but if they don't win at least two games in the Big East tournament, I'm predicting. I'm, I'm going back and, and changing my prediction to an early exit for Marquette mm. because I have zero faith in the Housers, and the Housers, I feel like, are their <coughs> kind of the guys that need to step up besides Marcus Howard, and I've watched those guys and be like, you guys are dog crap. Yeah, and here's my counter to the Marquette doing all right. And Marquette's kind of gone through this slump as teams see Marcus Howard the second time. True. And so right now I have him as a seven seed in Duke's bracket. So if it, they play Duke in the second round without a Zion, I think they can totally beat him just because Duke doesn't play any defense and R.J. Barrett will screw Duke over. Yeah, what if Duke actually, outside of Zion, sucks? <laughs> I really think there's been a point made about that. They've been, they've been, I mean, they didn't get waxed to this last time against Carolina, but I don't feel like they were ever... I mean, they made it a game late, but for the most part, I thought Carolina kind of controlled that game. Yeah. They, had, they lost that Virginia Tech. Um, Barely beat Wake Forest. Yeah. Uh, I'm assuming if they play Virginia without Zion in the ACC tournament, mm-hmm. I expect them to lose by 70 with a final score of 80 to 10. <laughs> And I have heard rumors that Zion, I think Coach K actually said it, is that Zion's planning on playing in the ACC tournament. True. But which that's, they've kind of done that and kind of baited so you have to prepare for him. Mm-hmm. And then if he doesn't show up, they're like, oh, sweet. Gamesmanship. Duke seemed, not invincible, obviously, but, and this might be partly just because of media hype, but they seemed like the the giant, you know, of, of college basketball this season. And now I'm looking at him like, man, you guys kind of suck. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the best. R.J. Barrett can only drive, you know who R.J. Barrett reminds me of? I don't know if this name's going to mean anything to most of you, but do you remember James Young from Kentucky a few years yeah. ago? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Crazy. Just a- like it. Crazy athletic, could get to the rim, but only <laughs> with only with one hand. He had that sick poster dunk against UConn, and then never achieved anything of note after that in his NBA career. Yeah, because the Celtics drafted him like early first round. It was like well, it was like, it was like mid, Sorry, yeah, early, like, not lottery. I don't know what that's called. Mid first round. Mid first round. There we go. So honestly, that's kind of like R.J. Barrett's better than James Young yeah. for sure. Better passer, although that's not he's saying better. much. 
He's a slightly better shooter, but not good. He's not a great shooter. He's, he's only not shooting a great like, shooter. Although I think part of that has to do with shot selection. You know, he takes a lot of like tough pull up off the dribble threes, which are the hardest threes to make. Yeah. So I think you know if he could be more of a catch and shooter, catch and shoot type player, which obviously isn't going to happen for him because he needs the ball. But I think his jump shot could be better than it is. Yeah. But anyways, trashing on Duke, which is not something I enjoy anymore. I used to, but not anymore. Um, who's that? Who's the white dude who just sucked against Carolina the first game? Was it O'Connell or something like that, or Doyle or some Irish name? I honestly couldn't tell you. I didn't watch the first game. <laughs> nah, well, he got abused by Luke May. Like, Luke May is good, but he made Luke May... Luke May he, this dude made Luke May look like freaking Dirk Nowitzki. And then he missed, like, 12 threes on the other end. And then they oh, okay. lost... Uh, Duke lost, what's his bucket? Bolden, Marquis Marque- yeah. Bolden, who was their only other, like, real big guy other than Zion, so... Yeah, I think defensively they're in trouble. Oh, they're they're going to have to score triple di- digits to win, like, each game, honestly. Something like that. So it'd be cool if a team can get hot against them. They could be that fifteen seed upset. Or if you just make them work on offense, because then you can score on them no matter what. <laughs> I would love to see. I would honestly love to see Duke go back to the Duke of old. You know, with like the Shires and the Singlers and the JJ Reddicks of the world. Like wow, just because they're just it's not the same without them. I don't think. <laughs> Like we, Kentucky was the one and done program, and everybody else was different, and it was it was good like that. Is but now it's like with Duke being Duke was the antithesis of Kentucky, and now they're kind of like mirror images of each other, and it's not yeah. that, it's just it's not fun. We only need one of those. I like that. That's a good take because I think Duke could be really interesting come bracket time because if they are full of strength, they could make a run and win it all. But if they're not. I think their confidence has kind of been shattered, though, honestly. Yeah, so that's why... Because they're used, they're used to they being this invincible giant for the first, what, like three months of the season, and now it's like anybody could beat these guys. Well, anybody in the tournament yeah. could beat these guys. And that's what they've been brought up on their whole life is you're the best of the best here. I think so. I don't know if they've ever had these hardships before. So I'll kind of fall on Coach K to get him believing, I think. And I think, I mean, I think Coach K just doesn't really care about <laughs> coaching anymore. <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, it's like I'm too old for this. <laughs> Cause like, it takes you have to. It takes a lot of like time, effort, and energy to get these shires and singlers and ugly bucktooth guys, and then turn them into NCAA champions. And he's just like, I just don't have the energy for it anymore. I'm just gonna recruit, roll out <laughs> NBA players, and see what happens. It's the Calipari method. Yep. And it's like it's just sad to see that change. Like I used to hate Duke when they did that, and now they don't do it, and I don't hate him anymore. How things have changed. Former Ben would come and slap you in the face. Oh, Ben of 0 to 18 years old hates me so much for so many things. (laughs) (laughs) All right, that's a wrap for this week. Be sure to come back next week because we'll be breaking down the bracket, and I mean like freaking breaking it down. We'll have some brackets of our own, most of them involving fast food, so come hungry, leave happy.